Welcome all to Kingdom Life Church VA Podcast. At KO, we endeavor to advance God's kingdom one life at a time. So, I pray that wherever you're listening from, that this will help you be encouraged. Here is this week's message. It is settled. Hey Amen. Have you been enjoying this series, The Power of the Sea? Man, we're starting part four today, part four today, man. I'm excited about the message. I'm telling you, uh, I was sharing with somebody, man, I have really, I have more message than, than the series that I have planned. And it was like, look, just do another week, Pastor. You the pastor? <laughs> I was like, you're right. I didn't think about that. You're right. <laughs> just do another week. Amen. But uh, this has been an exciting series, man. I mean, a lot of times, you know, there are certain things we don't like to talk about in church. We said it on last week. Uh, two major things we don't want to talk about in church. One of them is sex and one of them is money, but we, yet we want both of them. Can, can, we, can we agree on that? Everybody wants it, but nobody wants to talk about it. You understand? And so it's not taboo to talk about things that you think we shouldn't talk about in church. This is where we should talk about it. This is where the truth, amen, kind of can bring out things where it's not perverted. Because when you hear it outside, amen, it could be perverted. It, it may have a little truth in it, amen, but, it's, it, but it may kick, be kicked up with lies. And truth perverted. Because that's what the adversary does. He perverts everything that, that uh, God has already established. He's not a creator of nothing. He just masks or he tried to pervert things that God has already created. So people don't like to talk about money. Uh, I like to talk about the word. I like to teach the word. Amen. I want you to do things with understanding, not just doing it. You know, we talk about bringing the tithes and all that, and we give to the church. But why do we give? Show me in the scripture, Pastor. Show us where we should be giving. And, you know, so that's the thing that I believe that once you get understanding about why you should be doing something, then you should do it. As a believer, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm not talking about non-believers. I am talking to believers because I believe believers should support the church. I believe believers, those that are called of God, Amen. Who named the name of the Lord should be the ones who are supporting the kingdom of God. Amen. Do you agree with that? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So my objective in this series has been to help every believer understand biblical principles about giving, about giving. God wants us free from a poverty mindset, from a poverty mindset. God wants each of us free from that mindset. Amen. I want you to say this with me again. I want you to say it real loud and bold again. Say, I do not live a normal life, an average life, or a mediocre life. That's not me. Amen. Come on. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We don't have a poverty mindset. We don't have to take a vow of poverty because you come in the kingdom of God. Amen. Listen, you can have wealth, but it's you have to know how to handle it and what the scripture says about it so you won't get trapped. Amen. And we're going to visit some scriptures today, amen, to show you, just pull the covers off some stuff so you will understand, you know, what, what wealth can do if you're not careful. You understand? What riches can do if you're not careful. Amen. And we have to be careful, and that's why we have to have a relationship with God. That's why I did this Secret Place series, because we need to know the Lord, and he needs to know us. Amen? Because I don't want to get to heaven and he says one of, those, one of those strange things like, I never knew you. Depart from me. What? No, you're going to know me. <laughs> and I'm going to know you before I take my last breath. You understand? Come on now. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear you don't know me. 
You understand? We can't tell him all the stuff we did because none of that matters. Because he also quoted all those things before he told us he didn't know us. He said, I know you served. I know you gave. I know you preached. I know you taught. I know you sung. I know you ushered. I know you greeted. I know you did all that. But you, didn't know, you, you worked for me. I still didn't know you. So we want to get to know him because we don't want that to be our fate in the end. Are you hearing me this morning? And so now if I don't know the Lord and I got wealth, I don't think that's a good combination. That is not a good combination because who you are is magnified by wealth. You understand? Who you are is magnified. It's elevated when money is present or wealth is present. The real you or the you that you are will be exposed or come to light. It's not going to be a different you. It's going to be the you that you are exposed because of the wealth. So we live a supernatural life built on God's word and empowered by his spirit. You and I, we live a supernatural life, not a natural life, a supernatural life. And that's why we utilize the principles of God, because while they're saying recession and while they're saying setbacks and layoffs and all that kind of stuff, we need to know what the promise keeper has said. We need to hold on to the promises of the word of God because he's also spoken. And heaven never shut down, if you didn't know that. You understand? Heaven never shut no pandemic. No, heaven never shut down during the whole time. It still functions. And so we can hold on to the promise of the word of God, then God can bring us through every season that we're in, whether it's good or bad. Amen? Praise God. God uses the handling of money as a test to see where our priorities lie and our loyalties lie. Money is just a test to see where your heart is, to show you where your heart is. That's all it is. That's all it really is. Amen? I, I showed you through the word of God how many saints are old, you know, the things that, how they were connected to certain people. We talked about it last week. I Esther and her uncle, Mordecai, you know, you got to get the CD if you want to hear. I can't go over all that. I got, I got a lot to share today. But uh, Esther Mordecai, she was connected to her uncle. Her uncle is the one that impressed upon her to go before the king, you understand, because they was ready to kill the Jews and everything. We talked about Elijah and Elisha. You know, go get the uh, CD or you can check it out on our podcast or on YouTube. But, yes, we talked about that on, la on last week, how many of the saints of old were connected to a grace. I called it a special grace. I believe it was a special grace on Mordecai, a special grace that was on Elijah. Amen. A special grace was on these individuals that was poured out on those who served them faithfully. Amen. I ain't get a whole lot of amens on right there, but praise God. You know, Philippians 1 and 7 says, you and I, this is Paul, you don't have to turn there. This is Paul saying, I'm just quoting this scripture real quick. Paul said this in Philippians 1 and 7, he said that you are all partakers of my grace. He was talking to the Philippian church. He was not the grace of God, his grace, the grace that's on his life. And I believe there's a grace on my wife and I's life. There's a, there's a special grace on our life. That you, when you get connected to, and that's why we don't connect to programs and buildings, we connect with leaders. Because we need leaders in the earth, because all the programs, all that stuff could change. Just because of a beautiful building doesn't mean they're teaching the word of God. So when you connect with the right people, you have the right people in that, that you're connected to, your life should be better. Your life should grow. Your life should flourish. There should be a favor on your life that's coming from your leaders. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah, so he said, you are partakers 
of his grace. Partaker means a sharer or a participant, amen, or a partner of the grace that's on his life. All right, let's dive in. First Peter chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 2 this morning. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, it says this. It says, it's talking to pastors, be shepherds over the flock God has entrusted you with. Be shepherds over the flock God has entrusted you with. Watch over it. Who? The flock. Watch over it as God does. Don't do this because you have to. Talking to pastors. We're not doing this because we have to do it. We've been called to it. But because you want to. Once the call came, we agree with the call. Don't do it out of greed. Don't do it out of greed because that's some of the things that's messed up churches or people, how they see pastors and leaders because, you know, of greed. It's a spirit of greed that will cause you to do everything else except take care of the church. You know, I've been in some churches where the lights be off and it be cold or it be hot or you understand because folk not taking care of the church. That's not our testimony. Amen. But greed can get in there. Don't do it out of greed, but out of a desire to serve. Come on, next verse. It says, don't be rulers over the people entrusted to you. In other words, don't be dictators because the people belong to God, not to us. The church belongs to God. The church is God's people, and the people belong to God. So don't be dictators or rulers over the people entrusted to you, but be examples for the flock to follow. My wife and I and other leaders, we should be examples for you to follow. You understand? See, a lot of times, Peter, you don't even, you don't hear this type of stuff in the church. You don't even think you're supposed to follow your leaders. Why I need a pastor? We talked a little bit about that last week. I don't need a pastor. Well, according to the Bible, you do. I mean, if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to follow God, you're going to follow God. Now, if you're going to follow your own ways, your own thinking, then yes, you can say all that stuff. But, but according to the scripture, you need a pastor. I need a pastor. We all need pastors. Amen. All right, let's see. Let's see what else to talk about. So then it says, then when the chief shepherd appears, who is Jesus, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. If we do our job the way we're supposed to, we look for our reward, amen, which is going to be in heaven. How we handle the sheep. We're going to be held to a certain account, amen, as to the way that we take care of you. God is going to judge us on that. Are you hearing me this morning? So this message, this message on finances is not a message of condemnation, amen, but it's a message of conviction. And what happens is, if you don't apply the word of God to your life, then it's a chance that you will move into condemnation of your own self. We, we share the word in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. You will condemn yourself. The word will locate you and you will do that to your own self. But conviction is how God lovingly prods you and, and try to get you to do something that's in the word of God. And that's all we're doing with the word of God. We teach the word of God is we're lovingly prodding you. We're loving you, pushing you. We're trying to get you to do what the Bible says do. That's conviction. When you send something out like, man, I need it. You know, it's, it's a conviction, not condemnation. Like you condemn, you will you, you never get out of this mess, you understand? But if you stay on the road of rebellion and keep turning away from the things of God, then you could be walking in condemnation on your own accord, not because of what somebody is saying. Amen? Amen. Just want to clear that kind of stuff up. You know, it's in the air. It's in the air. Praise God. So I closed out last week talking about three ways to sow. Three ways to sow. But I'm going to talk about a fourth way today. 
amen, as well. But there are other ways to sow. The Bible talks about sowing tears, amen, talks about sowing injustice as well. You know, every time you cry, amen, your tear is bottled up. God, God actually can catch a tear, amen, according to the scripture. Your tear is saying something. You understand? Every time you cry, it's speaking. It's speaking to the Lord. It's speaking to the heavens, amen. And so just know, yes, God knows what's going on in your life. That don't mean you got to cry all the time. You understand? Still, at some point, at some point, you got to get up and do something with your life. Amen. It's, I'm just saying, just because heaven knows what's going on, you still got to do something. All right, amen? I'm not trying to tell you not to cry, amen. Like, don't cry, but I'm just saying. You know, at some point, you got to do something. You know what I'm saying? This can't cry all day, all right? All right, so, yeah. So, to sow means to plant. To sow. We're talking about the power of the seed. So, to sow means to plant overall. To sow means to plant. So the first thing I'm going to talk about briefly is sowing to the flesh or the spirit. Sowing to the flesh or the spirit. We can look at Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read what it says in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. It says this. It says, make no mistake, God can't be mocked. Listen to this, y'all. Another, uh, uh, just a voice translation. But like the King James, the New King James says, be not deceived. I love the principles of God, and I use them all the time. Sometimes all we really have to do is use the principles of God. You don't have to really even be saved to use the principles of God. You don't even got to love the Lord to use the principles. The principles work for anybody that work them. Why don't the church who loves God in the kingdom use the principles that he gave us? While the world uses, I told you, they sleep in our cars, I mean, they, they, they sleep in our houses, they live in our cars, they got our money. The world. I know, I changed. I said, they're living in our houses. Yeah, they're driving our cars. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Some people sleep in cars, too. I just slept in cars before. Come on now. We're not, we not talking a foreign language here. Amen. Okay, so what you give is what you get. What you sow, you what? Those who sow seeds into their so we're talking about flesh and spirit, another way to sow. If you sow seeds into your flesh, you will only harvest destruction from a sinful nature. If you only sow into your flesh, just know the end of that is destruction. But those who sow seeds into the spirit or into the inner man, your inner life, or sow seeds according to the word of God, the Bible says you shall harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Verse 8. Oh, wait, it is verse 8. Okay. Yeah, everlasting life from the spirit. So the first way to sow is to the flesh or the spirit. But we want to sow to the spirit. And that's why you do spiritual things. You come to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you listen to, to gospel music, Christian music, whatever, because you want to build yourself up in the spirit. You understand that? You can do all the other stuff, but just know what the end result is. Amen. Number two, according to the Bible, not according to Pastor AJ, you can sow discord. This is the one that God hates. This is the one God hates. In Proverbs 6, 19, like around the bottom of that verse, it talks about well, six things the Lord hates. He said, indeed, there are even seven, but one of them is sowing discord. The word discord means, a, did, you got, did I get y'all that scripture? Oh, I'll pull that up real quick. Let's read it to him. It says, a false witness, this is, one, this, is the, this is because it started at 18 and 17, but I, I'm not reading all that. But verse 19 says, a false witness who speak lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. So this is like the seventh, this is at the end, the sixth thing that the Lord hates. Amen. Go back and read Proverbs chapter 6. 
All right? I got to put the homework in. I got to put, put the ball in your court. Amen. I can't read the book to you on Sunday mornings. Y'all do realize that, right? Okay. Amen. All right. Great. So the word discord means a lack of agreement or harmony between persons, things, or ideas. It represents something out of balance. When put it together, the two words mean to initiate or uh, corrupt thoughts in the mind of somebody else, to initiate ill or corrupt thoughts into the mind of somebody else. We got to share this kind of stuff in the church because anytime people come together, there's an opportunity for discord. There's an opportunity for envy. There's an opportunity for strife. There's an opportunity for confusion. You know, whenever you get people together, come on, we grew up in a family. You know, you got, some, you, you got more than one brother. You, if you're the only person in the house, you might be all right. But if you got any brothers or sisters in the house with you, there's going to be some problems in the house. Are you hearing me this morning? And now we're in a bigger house. We got a bigger roof, amen. So we got a lot of brothers and sisters, boys. So we have a lot of opportunity for strife, a lot of opportunity for discord, because anything moving forward will cause friction. We're moving forward, amen. God is doing some things in this ministry, so we got to look out for that, and that's why, that's why I'm spending this time with this right here. So again, when we put it together, when we put it together, sowing discord, the two words mean to initiate ill or corrupt thoughts in the mind of somebody else that can later develop in their heart. It's like sowing discord in, in this young lady or that young lady about this person. And then, you know, maybe in their head for now, but then later it can get into their heart. And they can dislike somebody based on words you've shared. Not because of personal experience. So this would create ungodly or negative thoughts about somebody else. Sowing discord is a deceitful act because it's done through sneakiness. Because it's not honest, it's not forthcoming, it's, it's like behind the back, it's like behind the curtains, you understand, it's whispering and all that kind of stuff. And so it's sowing discord, it's sowing discord, and that's why the Bible says, well, or, or saying it's deceitful, because it causes lies and it uses gossip in a way that makes the guilty party appear to be right. That's why we bring two people together when they have problems. You know why we bring them both together? Because, number one, the Bible says bring it together. And then that person ain't got to lie, you understand, because the other person there to say, no, you didn't, no, 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 it wasn't like that. Because we got to get to the truth and we got to get to the bottom of it so that we can move on as brothers and sisters. Amen? Because we got to love each other according to the scripture. You leave this place and you got hate in your heart. I don't know. You may be knocking on the door for a long time trying to get in heaven. It doesn't matter what the individuals did. If you, if you don't forgive them, the Bible says, neither will I forgive you. God said, I don't care what you've done in the earth. If you don't forgive them, you're not living with me. I don't care what they did. If you don't forgive them, you can't live with me. You know why? Because he forgave you all your stuff. Come on now. All that junk in your trunk. All them skeletons in your closet. Who do you think you are? That's what he's saying. Because God said, if I, can, if I can show you your life, I can show you where you shouldn't be forgiven. But he's not going to do that. He's just not going to forgive you because you didn't forgive them. Because now if you want him to, you understand, show you, he will. He can prove what he, what he you understand. Don't make God do that. Please don't make him do that. Just forgive. Amen? 
Yeah, so, so, so it, it, it alters how people think about others and it creates mistrust. It can spoil sound relationships among family members and close friends. God hates it and we should hate it too. Amen? Right, so you got to hate it, man. You got to hate it. Number three, sowing the word. Sowing the word. So we can sow to our flesh and the spirit. We can sow discord. We can also sow the word. You heard the scripture, the parable of the sower, the sower who sows the word. Amen. Yeah. That's in Mark chapter 4. Let's look at that. Mark chapter 4. Listen, read Mark chapter 4 in its entirety because I'm not giving you both versions of, I'm just, I'm just giving you the explanation of what the seed is, what it means. But before that, it talks about all the other stuff. So it's a... So read the entire chapter in your own, uh, in your own time. The sower sows the word. Let's keep reading. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So when, when the word of God is sown, like I'm sowing a word right now. Every time you come to church, I have an opportunity to sow the word. And you have an opportunity to depend on what type of ground you're going to be in how you receive it. So you got to look at sowing in a couple of different ways, when I, especially when I get to the seed. Because when I get to the seed, it don't matter what your ground is. It matter what my ground is when I give. That Bible says God looking for what? Cheerful givers. So your ground matters when you're sowing seed, financial seed. The ground of the individual matter when you're sowing the word. Are y'all following me this morning? Okay, great, great, great. This is a teaching ministry. I won't teach you. So good. So, so we're sowing the word this morning. Amen. Come on, let's keep reading. These likewise, these like, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. These are the type of grounds that are sown on. And then they, look, they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. This is talking about a type of ground. Please go back and read this in your spare time. It will really educate you on where you are as it relates to the word of God and when you receive the word of God and what's going on in your life, you understand? It, I'm just going to tell you right there exactly what's happening. Verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Come on. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in Choke the word, strangling the word, got the word by the neck. Why the word, the cares of this world <laughs> got his hands around the word's neck. Are y'all seeing that with me? Because I'm seeing that thing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Get your hands off the word. But the cares of this world, world will choke the word out of you. Because of what's going on in your life, it'll choke the word out. So the, the end game is to keep you from doing the word. That's the end game of all of this. And that's why I say it's, and then for other things, engineering, it choked the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. Come on, let's keep reading. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Say, that's me. That's us. See, that's good ground. That's this good ground. Good ground. When I'm scattering seed, you want to be good ground. It's all in how you receive it. Are you hearing me? That's why I'm saying don't throw the word back at me. Don't, don't put up a shield when I say stuff because it, 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 that means you're not receiving it. Don't spit out the food. Come on, eat it, chew it up, swallow it. Let's just take it. Come on, receive it. It's the word of God. It, you, you're going to be okay. It's not going to kill you. You understand? I know you don't like your vegetables. It's going to be all right. They're good for you. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground 
those who hear the word, accept it, and then they bear fruit. Psalm 30, Psalm 60, and Psalm what? 100-fold, 100-fold. Praise God. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Look, when a seed is planted, it does not remain a seed. When a seed is planted, it does not remain a seed, but it germinates. It goes through a growth process. It takes root. Seeds take root, grows until it emerges or breaks through the soil. And then it continues to grow even after it's broken through the soil. Although it starts small, a seed can create or produce something that's really big, depending on what type of seed that you're sowing or what type of seed it is. I mean, I'm talking about there are large, large, there are large trees, amen, that are out there, but there are small seeds that, that produce these large trees. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus and Paul, both of them use, these, use this metaphor when speaking about sowing. All right, so let's talk about sowing seed now. Sowing seed, sowing seed, sowing seed. And sowing seed, what I'm talking about is sowing seed financially. People may not understand why do you, because the Bible instructs us to give tithes and offerings. So we give our tithes, but sometimes, we, you know, we stop at tithes. But remember, <laughs> remember, we did this before, right? I just want to, I got to take the class through this again, this example. If, if, if you owe me $20, and give it to me, have you really given me anything? You just gave me what you owe me. So it is with God. When you give your tithes, your tithes, you're just giving God back what he already gave you. He gave you 100%. He's asking you to give 10% back. And when you give him 10%, you understand, he still has a blessing attached to it because we can read the Bible, right? But it's according to tithes and offerings. So what we're talking about and what I'm talking about, what I'm going to talk about for these next three weeks is how the offering operates and how you should have an expectation to receive a kickback from your offering. Now, I know we don't like hearing stuff like that because we're in church and we should be lifting holy hands, praying, laying on the floor, rolling around, running around the church. I'll check today if somebody asks. All I'm saying is God wants you to be better than that. God has a different plan for you. He don't want you to live in poverty. He don't want you to have a poverty mindset. He don't want you to have a get-over mindset. He wants you to be blessed and highly favored. He spoke a blessing over you way back when he spoke to Abraham. He passed it down to Isaac. Then he passed it down to Jacob. We're blessed today because of Abraham. Abraham we're Abraham's seed. And Abraham, our, we had a rich uncle. His name was Abraham. He was very, very wealthy. Amen. So that's what we're talking about, sowing seed. Let's start, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. One of them, uh, some, a couple of people have talked about it today, but let's read it. Let's see it. It says, and God who supplies seed for the what? For the sower. So if you are a sower, you always have seed. If you are a sower, that may, and that's a condition of the heart, and I'm going to show you that later. But if you are a sower, you always have seed. A sower always have seed. You would never be without seed. That's why, well, isn't it good if you just become a sower? Yeah. I think I want to be a sower, God. <laughs> God said you want to be in the sower line. Yep. I want to be a sower. What do I need to do? Show me where to sign up. I'm telling you. Where do I press agree? I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So, because he says he's going to continually give you seed to sow. That means God got to bless you. 
That means he has to increase you. He has to promote you. He has to bless your business, your jobs, your hands, your feet. He has to bless everything about you. Why? To make sure he not only takes care of you and your house, but you are able to give and to sow and to help others. This is the God we serve. Come on. Bless to be a blessing. I don't want to just be blessed and I can't give nothing. I can't help nobody. Bless to be a blessing. So I don't, so the way we're going to teach you is you don't have to give your tithes away. You can do your tithes and your offering and God still bless you supernaturally. You just got to do his word. When I gave my tithes to the person there, no, 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 you don't give your tithes to anybody but the Lord in the local church. <laughs> and if you're part of this local church, it should go to kingdom life. Amen? Because don't no angel come down after service and pick up the money and take it back to God. Security be like we got uh, Gabriel in the back. Is it Gabriel in the back? Yeah, he come get the money to take it to God. <laughs> no angels come down and pick up money. The purpose of the wealth is to establish the kingdom. The purpose of the wealth is so God's programs can move forward. Are you hearing me? Let's look at, look at Ecclesiastes. Did we, did we read? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, look at Ecclesiastes. Put that up real quick. Man, I should have got a different version. But go ahead and pick that up in the King James Version. Look at this, y'all. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter uh, 11, uh, verse 4. Yep. It says that he that observes the wind. This, they went straight hardcore, King James. Okay, that's fine. He that <laughs> observes the wind look, shall not sow. Meaning, if you're looking for the right time to sow. It's not a right time. Well, I'm waiting to get this straight. Well, I'm waiting to get that straight. Well, I'm waiting to get. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's going to always be. Don't you know I can, I can do something with the money that I give to the church? And the money I sow into our pastor. Friends, what? The money we give to the building fund? Well, it's, it's a lot of things we could do. <laughs> I can find some. Pick one. We just had some trees cut down there, y'all. I mean, there's, there's some other things I could do, but I just know I can't do it with the money that, that belongs to the Lord and the kingdom. There'll never be a right time. Who observed the wind? You're waiting for the right time. Where's well, windy outside, so, I, you know, where's well, raining? <laughs> look, he who observed the wind would not sow, and he who regards the clouds, look, would not reap. Come on, let's keep reading. As you do not know what is, what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. Well, God talk real big. Well, I love with God. Whoa, oh, Lord Jesus. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. God said he just be obedient. Don't, be trying to, don't try to be God and try to have a timing. No, you just be obedient. Did you hear the man of God? You should have filled your card out today if you're a partner here. You should be obedient. There's not a time. What time are you looking for? The time is now. Kids hungry now. No, we need a building now. Not, come on now. No, the time is now. Let's do it. Come on, verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is the scripture. We don't wait for the right conditions to sow. Every seed you sow has a harvest already built in. Do you understand that? 
Every time you put a seed in the ground, I'm not, I ain't going to talk about financial because I can mess you up with the financial seed because it'll go over your head if you don't understand the principle. But I'm going to help you. You got to listen to this a couple times, you understand, so you can believe. As long as I'm in the Word, if I get out the Word, then y'all ain't got to follow it. Are you hearing me? Every seed that you sow has a harvest already built in. If I had an apple seed right now and planted it in the ground, what I'm going to get? Would I get pears? Would I get bananas? Why? Exactly. Right. It's not a wild card seed. That's, so no, I'm going to go to Uno. How many of us like playing Uno? So when you sow a financial seed, what you going to get? But you could get more than that. It depends on what you want. See, when you sow a financial seed, it's according to what you need. I can sow a seed for my daughter's salvation. I can call that seed what I want it to be because it's a financial seed. So now I have a wild card seed. It's like Uno. I got the wild card. You know what I'm I get to call the color, right? So when I saw a financial seed, please don't let me lose you on this. When I saw a financial seed, amen, I get to call it what it is. Now, God will bless us, but I, I don't want you to limit that to finances all the time. Because God is going to bless you financially. He will. Because the Bible, we already read, he's not mocked for whatever man sow, that's what he's going to reap. There's no question that God is going to bless you financially because he knows you can't take seeds to Vepco or to or Virginia Power. Or to your phone, iPhone bill. You understand? Verizon not accepting bird seeds. <laughs> you can't take, you understand, a couple of heads of cabbage and broccoli and, you understand? I mean, you can show up with a, with, a, with, a, with a piece of cattle if you want to. You can take, you can carry a few bulls or goats or, I mean, if you want to. I don't know if they're going to transfer that. You understand? So we're living in a different time, so God uses other methods according to the time that we're living in. Amen? God ain't, God ain't crazy. He, not, he know we, you know, but that's what people say. When they tithe, well, they was giving this, because that's what they was doing back then. They, I would think that would be elementary. And you know, I'm not the smartest kid in the room. <laughs> Every seed you sow has a harvest already built in. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's, let's read some other stuff. Are we starting at verse 5? Should we start at verse 1? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count, count um, their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, you know, Timothy, young Timothy, he was Paul's protege. He was Paul's spiritual son in the ministry. Timothy was a pastor as well. And so Paul, of course, he instructed Timothy on some things to share. And so, but as pastors, as leaders, we're, we're going to get a lot out of this. These, I'm, I'm going to read 21 verses, y'all. So I'm just saying, don't go to sleep on me. You understand? Don't check out. Don't check Facebook. This is not the time. Don't, you understand? It's, it's okay. Stay with me. Stay with me. Like as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Some things I can't get around. I got, I got to read the whole thing. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort.
exhort. So he's exhorting Timothy to teach these things to his congregation, and now we're teaching it to ours. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strives of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, come on, keep going, perverse dispute, disputing of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing, listen to this, supposing that gain is godliness. Now stop right there real quick because sometimes people think just because of what you drive and what you live in and what you pulled up in or what's in your account it equates to godliness. It don't. Because I've seen, I'm sure you have too, seen some wealthy, ungodly people. Not just in the world, in the church. Everybody in the church ain't saved. Now, they should be, but they're not. And so, don't equate gain to godliness. The Bible is saying, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw yourself. It's a mindset. We're going to get to all the other stuff that was before there. It's talking about a mindset. It's talking about a person. It's talking about how someone thinks and how they see themselves. Come on, let's keep reading. But godliness with contentment is what? Godliness with contentment is great gain because we don't ever want to lust after money, lust after material things. Lust is a word meaning craving. We don't want to have any type of strong desire for money, wealth, or, or material things because it will, it will cause us to be deceived. It can move us into a type of deception. So, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's keep reading. For we brought nothing into this world. I'm going to tell y'all heard that before, didn't you? Daddy, I ain't know that scripture is about. Yep, it is. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Why we hoard up stuff that we can't even take with us anyway? Leave it in the earth. Well, you got to leave it in the earth. Be a blessing. Don't, I, I ain't going to turn to the scripture where the guy built the bigger barns and all that. This dude built all these barns, big barns. He's storing up all his wealth because he was doing, he wasn't doing godly stuff with it, but he was building bigger bombs and he was just petting himself on the back. He lived a good old life. He's going to retire. He's going to live off all the wealth and the bonds. You know what the Bible says? It says, you fool, your soul is required tonight. Say, now who's going to spend your money? Because you're, you're getting away from here. And all that you done built up and stored up, you couldn't even do good with. Now somebody else got it. Something to think about. Come on, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I know we're raising millionaires up in here, so I got I to teach you. You understand? I want you to get arrogant and hardy. We can always tell when folk get, you know, start smelling themselves. <laughs> Verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us be content. You got clothes. You got food. Hey, man, you're going to be all right. What we eating today? <laughs> no, let me stop. Let's move on. Number nine, <laughs> but they will be rich, listen, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and prediction. So, so if you read the Bible, yep, stay right there. For if you read the Bible, 
you would think that it's not good to be rich or it's not good to be wealthy. But it's talking about, if you read it in its context, it's talking about the mindset or the, how the person acts who has the wealth. We're getting ready to see, we're ready, we're ready to see now what the problem is in verse 10. Now, now it's going to tell us. The problem is people love it. It's not that money is evil, it's folk love it too much. That's why Pastor Tina talked about being stingy. You stingy because you love money too much. You're not a giver. And so you can become a giver, but you're afraid that you're not going to get anything back. But the Bible says already that if you give, you're going to receive. And then it says in Luke 638, if you give, you're going to receive good measure, press down, shake together, running over. I mean, unless God a liar, you mean to tell me you believe that he won't take care of you in the earth, but somehow he's going to magically take you to heaven when you die. You believe that, but you won't believe he'll take care of you in the earth? I just, I don't know if I can trust a person like that. You're not going to take care of me in the earth, then you talk about all this stuff in heaven. I don't know if I can trust you. Because they're talking big in Revelations about the streets of gold and all the pearls and all, all the diamonds, the rubies, and oh my God, the transparency of the glass and the water. Man, we'll be able to breathe underwater without breath. I mean, we don't, we, don't need, we don't need to put nothing on when we get underwater in heaven. You just go in the water. <laughs> you got to worry about holding your breath or nothing. Come on, daytime all the time. I ain't going to get into that. I don't want you to have faith for heaven right now. We need you in the earth. <laughs> look, look, some of y'all just got mesmerized. I'm like, hold on. Oh, 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 come on back to earth. Ain't no time to be going to heaven right now. God don't need you in heaven. He needs you in the earth, impacting the earth. Stay in the earth. Let me, I, okay, let me, come on, I got it, God, I got him. I saw him too, I saw him. For the, love of, for the love of money is the root, it's a root, the root, love is the root. Love, money is the root, it's a root. You ever pull the root out or try to pull one out of the ground? It's, it's, it's so deep in the ground it's hard to pull up. When, when the love of money is rooted in the ground, it's hard to pull up. And if that love of money get in your heart, it's a root that's hard to get out. And then you would do things and say things, and, and the, the adversary can start using you in certain areas because now you love money. It's almost like worshiping money. We'll talk about that later, a little later. For love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is why when people taught about money in the, in, back in the day, they like, stay away from money. Money will destroy you. And it will if you love it. That's why, to keep it all in context, God uses, when I say God uses money as a test. Your heart reveals where you are. It reveals the treasure. If you sowing into the kingdom of God and taking care of what belongs to God, it's showing God that you don't love money. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Come on, let's, let's, let's keep reading. What else we got? But thou, old man, talking to Timothy, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, come on, 
fight the good fight of faith. I mean, he's encouraging, he's encouraging his congregation. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also a call that has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickened of all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Verse 14, that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, which in and the Lord of lords, who is the blessed only, they have the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who only have immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man have seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Now put up 17, but I'm going to read it in a message version real quick. It says, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today, it says charge them that are rich in the world, not to trust in riches, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever imagine or ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Amen? Did you get all of that? The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. People would do crazy things for money when they love it. Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Can you handle a little bit more? I'm almost done. Give me about five minutes. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, come on, this is, this is where you can check yourself. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will follow. Whatever you treasure, your heart will be involved in that. Whatever you treasure, your heart will be involved in that. The struggle to give starts in your heart. It starts in the heart. Not the head, not the pocketbook, not your checking account. None of those things are seen. It starts in your heart long before your paycheck gets into your bank. Your bank account is where the struggle is. The struggle is in your heart. Somewhere down the line, you have a problem or you haven't, you haven't fixed the problem as it relates to how you equate money and giving and the church. And I'm, saying, I'm including the church, meaning the building, you know, because church is ecclesia, meaning the called out ones, how you support the brethren. Because we'll spend it everywhere else, but have a problem with spending it in the kingdom. So, it, it, would God be wrong to think you got a problem with his, with his church? Would God, would, I mean, you understand, would God think of you? You understand, like, because you don't have a problem giving over here, doing this, doing that, but as it relates to the kingdom and my projects, 
you don't support it. You don't put 100% into the kingdom like you do in other things. You know, I gave 100% of my life to the devil. When I was in the street, I was 100%. I was 100. I was keeping it 100. I, I, you understand? You know, they say in the, in the world, you understand, like a ride or die, I was a real ride or die. And I ride and live now, you understand? But I was a die back then, you know? But all I'm saying is, but I gave the devil 100% of my life. 100% of my finances, 100% of me. He owned me, and guess what? He got 100% of me. But now I'm in the kingdom now. How many of us has truly made a conversion? Are you, have you really been converted? Because now that I'm in the kingdom, he owns 100% of me. Not the devil no more, God. So now that I'm in the kingdom, God gets 100% of my money. 100% of my, you understand? He gets 100% of me the same way the devil did. Why would I give God any less than I gave the devil who hated me and was trying to kill me the whole time? Why would I give God any less? Why would I treat God like a stepchild? God the one saved me out of all the mess that the devil was trying to do while I was in the world. The struggle with giving, you struggle with giving because it's not in your heart to give. You know, we boast about our finances as it relates to, to what we make. I make 80000 I make 900000 I make 100000 But what you give? Do your checkbook reflect your boast of what you make? Because it's a condition of your heart. I can speak big on one end. Remember we talked about the 10%? When they, when they, when they said, <laughs> I'm going to give you 10% off. Man, that's not 10%. That's all. But then you get in the church and God says, I want 10%. Man, that's so big. What do you mean, God? A whole 10%? I make 70000 God said, that means you're supposed to honor me with 7000 in tithes. You get your statement at the end of the year. You know, you know whether you're honoring God or not. Nobody have to check you on that. Check yourself. Check yourself and see if you're honoring God. A call said, what's your beef with God? And his message, Father Leader, what's your beef? What's your problem with God? What is your problem with God that you're not obeying him? You beefing with God? Matthew 6, 24. Come on, let's, let's read this. Let's look at this. No man, no one can serve what? I underline this, two masters, for either he will, what, hate the one, and what? So, you can't have two masters. Let's clear it up. You can't have two masters. If you got two masters, one of them getting the short end of the stick. You're going to hate one and love the other. The Bible says you're going to be devoted to one, and you're going to despise the other. We need to figure out who your master is. Come on, let's, let's see who our master is, because it says nobody can serve two masters. Well, I serve God. We're going to find out. Let's see. No one can serve two masters, for either he's going to hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the devil. It don't even say the devil. 
He don't even say Beelzebub. He don't even say the dragon. He don't even say, you know, it doesn't use a demonic name at all. You mean to tell me God puts money up there with himself? Money is so powerful when you love it that you would worship it. Money is the God of America. Money is the God of America. It's a God. And God is saying, listen, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And either you're going to worship me or you're going to worship money. Because money is a horrible master but a great servant. See, I got, I got money around. I, I'm holding money like this. Like, look, you're going to do what I tell you. Now, I told you, go, pay, go over there, take care of this over there, take care of invest, invest over here, reproduce this, boy. Now, do what I tell you. Money don't master me. Money cannot control me. Money should not control you. Why is money telling you what to do? You have to put money in its place. You ever put somebody in their place before? You did? So then you know how to do it. Put money in its place. Yeah, you know how to do it then. Put money, put money in its place. Do it today. Stop letting money punk you. Put money in its place. And then you will see God do some things that you've never seen before. Because as long as you worship money, as long as money is mastering you, as long as you are the servant of money, then God can't really get in and do what he really want to do in your life. Ooh, but when you break free. You ever seen a free slave? <laughs> How you doing, Miss Bob? <laughs> you ever seen a free slave running free? Boy, that's what happens when you break free from, the, from money who is the master. We don't want anything to master us. And definitely not money. Money is a tool that the adversary uses in the earth. It, it's corrupted if you love it. That's why you got to get it out your heart. That's why we give so much. That's why I give. I can't let. That's why I read all this stuff. It talks about being deceitful, you know, and, and making sure that we're not greedy and you, we got to check yourself. I can't let money rule over me because I'm going to handle a lot of money. And you're going to handle a lot of money. And you, gotta, and you can't be like, oh, now I got the money. I don't need God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, she quoted, my wife quoted today, God gave you the power to get wealth to establish his covenant. He, and he, look, you read that whole chapter, he said, listen, when you get your house, I paid for. When you get your car, I bought you. When you get that business I gave you, and you get that promotion that I gave you on that job, don't you forget me. Don't forget God who blessed you, who increased you, who promoted you. God say, I gave you all of that, and now you riding off into the sunset, missing all the Sundays with the car I bought you. Spending your money everywhere else except for the place where I planted you. God cannot have your heart and money habit at the same time. Are you, are you seeing the issue here? 
Are you seeing the issue? That's why you have to choose one because both of them cannot have your heart at the same time. You ever, I did. I, I'm just going to say, I'm going to ask you, I've cheated on people before. You understand? I had multiple girlfriends. Y'all real quiet like y'all ain't never cheated on nobody. Y'all act like y'all ain't never, this, this girl you've been with from your youth, you never looked at nobody else or none. I mean, you just, you was just an angel. Well, I'm not, praise God. So I want an angel, amen. I cheated on girls back in the days, my wife as well, not when we were married, because I was saved then, you understand? Clearing, clearing it up, you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my dumb days, my heart was divided. You ever had a divided heart? That's a struggle. Struggle. I don't know who to treat right. Treat you right today, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? Give it up to him tomorrow. Give you some next week. Give him some next week. You understand? It's a divided heart. And God is saying, you're struggling with truly serving me because your heart is divided. Money, you love money too much. I want to use you, but you love money too much. I want to increase you, but you love it too much. I'm setting avenues up for you to release money out of your life. That's why you give because it frees you from that. Money can't hold you captive when you're a giver. That's why we give so much. I give away money. I give so much money away. Young lady, I don't know you. Come here, young lady. Let me give you $100 real quick in the pink right there. Yeah, I don't know you. Let's just go and bless her for just coming to church today. How about that? Just for coming to church today. Make sure you tell people that, you know what I'm saying? Hey, look, I got money from church. I don't always just give it. Make sure you give God $10. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The tithe is $10. That's, you got to honor God. But if you don't teach that, how come we don't teach the principle? God's supposed to get a dime out of every dollar we get. You know, God want to bless us so much. God has so much wealth for us, but he don't want us to take it and do stupid stuff with it. All the wealth of the world belongs to us. All the wealth of the world. The Bible says the earth, the whole earth is the Lord's. And the Lord be our Lord, right? That's our daddy. Come on now. That's our papa. All the wealth belongs to you and I. We don't got to struggle for wealth. We don't got to do crazy stuff for money. Honor God. Do the principles in the Bible and the wealth will chase you down. <laughs> I'm telling you, it does. I got I got I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Did I give y'all? Did y'all give me five minutes off? Oh my! Is that the right time? I hope that I hope they're an hour behind. Please, please! I hope that Deacon ain't set that clock right already. <laughs> Thank God, Deacons they don't they they ain't take care. Oh, praise God! Woo! I, I still don't have a whole lot of time, but could I get like three more minutes? I'll be done. I I just want to I just want to close. I just want I just want to do a couple more scriptures and I'll be done. Is that all right? I'm, I, we gone. We gone. That's it. They'd be like, Dad, that's what they be talking about, them pastors. Oh, okay. Don't leave that alone today. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 9. I'm going to read this real quick. It says, but I will, I'll revisit it, but I will say to this to encourage your generosity. I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little, harvests little. Harvests little. The one who plants plenty, harvests plenty. They use the metaphor of planting and sowing seeds a lot in the scripture just to give us an idea of, of so we can see what's happening. The one who plants plenty, harvests plenty. Verse 7 says this. Look, giving grows out of where? Everything we're going to talk, talk to you about is going to be in the word of God. Giving grows out of your heart. Giving grows out of your heart. Thank you, sir. Otherwise, you reluctantly grumbled, <laughs> yes, because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't the way God wants it. For we know that God loves a what? I don't want you grumbling and being mad because you have to give your tithes. Feeling like God is taking something from you. Think about a father who, who just takes care of their children. We, have, we got fathers, we got parents, or a parent who takes care of their child, and you're taking care of them because you asked them for something. They're grumbling. Or they're feeling like they're not going to be able to sustain themselves because you asked for a piece of what they have. You know how children are. You done gave them the whole cookie. You asked for a piece. Can I just get a piece of that? No. Dude, I gave you the whole thing. What you mean? But, but, but see what's in the heart? See what's already in the heart? That's why they have to be taught, have to be trained. It's natural. It's in our heart already to push away. You understand? And we have to be taught, we have to be trained to do certain things. So God is saying, I got to get this out your heart because when you give, I want you to be cheerful. You see, when I gave that young lady money, I, I, it's like I gave her a dollar just now. That meant nothing to me. Why? Because money is in a place of servanthood in my life. It's not my master. So it can't control me. It don't have the same, I value it. Don't get me wrong, I do value it. I, I have a respect for it. But at the same time, it, I don't love it. I don't love it. So I ain't all, man, I just don't love it. I don't love it. It, it, don't, it don't hold the same place it used to have in my heart. It don't got me like that no more. Shoot, I moved on. I got another lover. Jesus, the lover of my soul. I got another lover now. I don't love money like that no more. No, we ain't like that no more. Money thought we was, but we not. We got to set them straight. I told y'all, set them straight. Set them straight today. Let them know you're not my lover no more. Tell them, let them know. Don't be, don't be scared now. Get them straight. God loves a cheerful giver. God is ready to overwhelm you, listen, with more blessing than you could ever imagine so that you would always be taken care of in every way and you'll have more than enough to share. Because that's what it's about. It's not just for your four and no more. Well, I'm good. Yeah, I'm sure you are. But what about other people? Everybody not good. I mean, we can say, we can talk like, you know, recession ain't got nothing on us. And all. We understand in the kingdom, but there are people that's not in the kingdom that we got to take care of. We got to help them. We got to support them. Single parents, these children, we have to help them. But if we tied up and our hands all tied and we can't do, then how are we going to help them? We got to get free. God wants you wealthy, but it needs your heart to be right so that it don't destroy you. 
God is, okay, I read that. Verse 9, remember what is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He's scattered abroad. Wait a minute, remember what is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He's scattered abroad. He gave freely to the poor. His righteousness endures throughout all ages. What is your heart condition when you give? Because when you give, when you give, it's according to your heart, how you give. You understand? Now, you can also, see, because it just, it's just a way that we have to see things. When I sow, my wife and I, when we sow into our pastors, I know not only are we cheerful givers, I know that the ground that I'm serving, sowing in, is also good. And so I get a faster harvest from sowing directly into my pastors than I would just sowing in general. And I should, but that's my pastor. That's my pastor. The ground doesn't have to say anything. You know, early on, man, we used to sow. I used to sow. I was like, man, pastor, we ain't said nothing. Pastor, what pastor? You know what I'm saying? I ain't hear nothing back or nothing. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm, you know, you, when you think you really gave something, like, dang, I, I, mean, I think I didn't, I thought I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to have some impact. Look, the ground don't have to speak. It ain't even about the ground when I sow. The ground don't have to say nothing. Just let me sow into you. Ooh, Jesus. Let me use you. Because there's some things I want. You don't got to say nothing, ground. You don't got to speak. You don't got to say anything. Let me use you as a tool <laughs> for increase. I'm not trying to impress the ground with my seed. I'm looking for a harvest when I sow. I ain't trying to impress the ground. I'm thinking about what I'm going to receive as a result of what I sowed. Glory to God. And look, and then I'm going to bed night and day, and soon I'm going to see increase and multiplication. Are you hearing me? Last scripture. Last scripture. I, I'm going to stop right there. This is it. This is it. This is it. Dirt. No, one more, Dirt. The last one. Let's give you Mark. Mark chapter 4, Dirt. This is it. You ready? Thank you, man. <laughs> this is Look, then Jesus said this. God's kingdom is like a man who plants seed in the ground. I want to help y'all. I want to help you real good. The seed begins to grow. It grows night and day. It doesn't matter whether the man is sleeping or awake. The seed still grows. You don't got to watch over it. You don't have to do anything. You done sold already. Go to bed. <laughs> Go to sleep. You understand? No matter where you see, but awake, the seed still grows. He doesn't know what? How it happens. You don't know what's happening all behind the scenes. You're just doing a principle. And so far, what God has spoken has come to pass. And so we tend to believe people when we see their track record. At least in the earth, you know, people pull our credit report, they want to check on us, right? You see how they've been paying for that's, that, that's natural. So let me see God's track record of how he's taking care of the saints of old. We can see the track record, and even our own lives, we can see how God is taking care of us. We can see the track record. So we know he's telling the truth. We just have to do the principle. Let's keep reading. We're almost done. 
the seed begins to grow, and I say that he doesn't know how it happens, verse 28. Without any help, the ground produces grain. First the plant grows, then the head, and then all the grain in the head. When the grain is ready, the man cuts it. This is what? The harvest time. Listen, saints, I want to say this prophetically to all who have sown, that are sowing seeds. It's harvest time. This is the year of harvest. It is harvest time. Every seed, every seed you sow has a harvest already built in. It's a principle. It cannot be denied. Are you hearing me? I'm going to stop right there. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If the Holy Spirit has convicted or inspired you to join or reach out to us through today's message, then email us at kingdomlifechurchva at gmail.com. If you would like to give towards this ministry or find out more, check out our website, which is kingdomlifeva.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kingdom Life VA. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you can hear more messages like this.